This week at Macy's, get an extra 25% off the season's latest styles with your coupon or Macy's card. That's on top of already great savings, like 20 to 50% off Ink, DKNY, Clubroom, and more of your favorite designers for him and her. Get 30% off one pair, 40% off two pairs of boots, shoes, and booties. And prep your kitchen with 20 to 50% off roasting pans, cookware, and more. Plus, Star Rewards members earn rewards faster during Star Money bonus days, now at Macy's. Savings off regular sale and clearance prices, exclusions apply. This week at Macy's, get an extra 25% off the season's latest styles with your coupon or Macy's card. That's on top of already great savings, like 20 to 50% off Ink, DKNY, Clubroom, and more of your favorite designers for him and her. Get 30% off one pair, 40% off two pairs of boots, shoes, and booties. And prep your kitchen with 20 to 50% off roasting pans, cookware, and more. Plus, Star Rewards members earn rewards faster during Star Money bonus days, now at Macy's. Savings off regular sale and clearance prices, exclusions apply. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Somewhere between science and superstition. We have such sights to show you. Strange. Eons. Welcome to Strange Eons Radio. Right over there is Eric Margaret. Hello. <laughs> and then is Vanessa Williams. Hi. I'm Kelly Young. So guys, um, several months back I was telling you about a cartoon that I fell in love with on Adult Swim called Primal. That was about a caveman and a Tyrannosaurus Rex that kind of joined forces and were wandering through their uh, their. Jurassic world. world. Vaguely, vaguely remember. <laughs> yeah. And these five episodes were amazing. The music is amazing. The animation is really cool. But the most amazing thing was that there's absolutely zero dialogue because caveman and a Tyrannosaurus Rex. And also, yes, I know that cavemen did not exist at the time that Tyrannosaurus Rex. We don't need to worry about this. I don't know why people get Real, it. It's fine. Reality and cartoons. Don't don't represent anything. I mean, if so, then Dino the Last Dinosaur is really, really inappropriate. <laughs> Anyway, uh, on April 1st, I found out that Adult Swim just surprise dropped episode six of this series. And uh, I found this out because somebody had posted about it. And then I went looking for it and it is nowhere to be found. So I did find it broken up in like four minute chunks on YouTube. Somebody had uh, uploaded the entire film, but, you know, or the entire episode, which was 30 minutes long, Mm -hmm. but in like six chapters. Uh, so I got to see it. I watched it. It was amazing. I have to imagine that this means more episodes will be coming sometime soon, although this was April 1st and it is now towards the end know. of June. Animation and I've heard documentaries are the two things that are going to like start showing up more and more through this. Like, oh, sure. Because those you can do more isolated. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That. Yeah. But I, I definitely have felt that before with things like um, uh, Venture Brothers or even Nickelodeon when they did the Are You Afraid of the Dark? It's like unless you're watching that channel and you are constantly staring at it, it's like you totally miss this information. And they're not yeah. telling anybody <laughs> like, hey, by the way, we know that you're really into this. But unless you caught the commercial in between iCarly and God knows what, you're not going to know. And then we'll only play it once and then we won't play it again. And then you're stuck. Yeah. 
Adult Swim, well, they, they kind of like fucking with their listeners that or is their true. viewers. That so. is so true. Yeah. And they're t- uh, uh, not TNT. They are um, Turner money. So oh, they can do whatever they want. Of course. Yep. Wow. How about you? Oh, um, you know. Seen anything? Yeah. So uh, in preparation for this. So yeah, I actually uh, watched a film that's also also came out right as this kind of COVID stuff hit us. A little movie, the movie poster still up everywhere for it. Actually, a film called Emma, and that's the uh, Jane Austen um, Emma. So you might have seen the Gwyneth Paltrow version back in the '90s. It's kind of like nope. a. It's very <laughs> similar. Like I mean, it's a Jane Austen book, so like it always. It's just like Pride and Prejudice. There's no surprises. Like we all know Darcy's in it, and he's going to become like the good guy, but they have to not know he's a good guy for a long time. Anyway, let's do a, a male female moment just for the heck of it. It's like you say that, like I've never read a Jane Austen film. Uh, I have never seen a Jane Austen movie. <laughs> I was I was too busy. Let's see. In the 90s, I was too busy watching uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme movies. To, books yeah. have existed John forever. John speak. What, what are these books you speak of? Oh, my God. Reading well, Stephen Jane, King. And Jane Austen. Oh, my God. Shakespeare. She, yeah, she actually <laughs> has an almost Shakespearean style of like miscommunication, but it all takes place in the kind of, I want to say Victorian era. So it's often like people writing letters, but then misreading the letters and thinking that this person thinks that, but it's actually this. And there's a lot of comedy and there's always like a love interest angle. And it's written by a female. And she was one of the few very strong early female writers who like kind of came up and was like, women can write too so anyway what was the i don't think it was jane austen but i thought it was (laughs) the one that was nominated for all the oscars last year oh um little women yeah little Little women Women. uh i always thought that was a jane austen thing yeah and i I didn't know it wasn't until afterwards i said something he's like you think no, this is no. Jane Austen? Like, yeah. No, dumbass. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can I can understand because there really weren't that many for a very long time. There were not that many female writers or at least not ones that were using a female name. So yeah. I get it. Um, but the thing that I loved, there's a couple things I really liked about this movie. First of all, the costumes were off the hook. They're so <laughs> good. They're so good. They, oh, my God. You can't stop staring. Like, they stand out so heavily in this film. It's just instantly distracting. In fact, it didn't matter if, if the rest of the film had been terrible, which it wasn't. It was pretty good. If it had been terrible, I wouldn't have cared because the costumes alone were worth watching it for. Were the costumes uh, true to the time period or were they exaggerated no and just no looked idea. amazing? I think uh, I cannot tell. But like it feels like it should be authentic to the era. It's not like, oh, you know, a mix of modern and back then. No, it's very much like starched up cost uh, collars that like hit to the men's like mouth area and like women's like the the way that things match and the bodices. And so like it's just it's just so cool and so textured and everything just feels like an extra level of it feels like it should be the reality it, it feels if, if this was a sci-fi film and everybody's running around in their gray jumpsuits you're like yeah i believe that like this feels <laughs> like yes everybody has to wear these ridiculous like clothing pieces that do not help them in any way look really better <laughs> but uh are seem to be a fashionable thing in addition to that, in addition to like really, really good costuming, um, they also had a familiar face. 
that popped up in this movie for me. And that was? Uh, Mr. Johnny Flynn, <laughs> who is a folk singer, indie folk singer um, in the UK. Um, I, you know, I kind of knew this guy had started doing some acting, but I knew him as one of my favorite singers and also kind of knew him as a human being oh. because <laughs> the person I was seeing had to follow him and his band around for like three months. So like, I kind of know Johnny Flynn. I was like, is that, is he playing the male lead in this movie? <laughs> That's weird. I mean, I've seen him at like a little like stage at like a kind of a folk lifestyle festival in England where there's a bunch of grass and people are drinking tea and like kind of half paying attention to him. Like, <laughs> I've seen him there. I've not seen him in this context. I knew like I did know he was doing some acting because he's the male lead in a film called Beast, which oh. had come out um, like a year or two ago. Um where it's kind of a small town story of a guy who may or may not be killing much people can't tell uh but anyway like so it was just kind of a pure joy to see him um him and then also bill nye is awesome in this film i i'm a big nye fan i his performance is great the character that the way he portrays the character is super fun it again it feels i mean it's a jane austen thing so it's sure. lighthearted, and the characters are to the max I I suggest checking it out. To the max. Jeez, this should have been your pick for extreme horror then. <laughs> uh, our our definitions of extreme may be different. Extreme costuming. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Next subject. Coming next week. Well, I watched one that was nothing like that at all. <laughs> but it wasn't preparation for today's, but turned out it was more of a a demon than a devil. Oh, I hate that. It's like body possession kind of things. That and happened exchanges. to me like a million times trying to find this movie. Nothing worse than expecting a devil and just getting a regular old Some fashioned substandard demon. above no nonsense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He's bored. <laughs> but this was uh, Luz. Luz. If it's German or Spanish, how might it be said? Uh, probably loose. Loose? Loose. Loose. On Shudder. So, you know, that helps the quality potential right there. Sure. Uh, the Rotten Tomatoes had it at 86 for the critics and 60 for the audience. Mm. And I completely get that. This is a critic-pleasing, art house kind of film. Ah. Um, it's it's nice and short. Runs like 70 minutes. Oh, that's good. <laughs> so it's always nice. Brisk. Yeah, it's <laughs> scant. Even though it ended, but it's still slowly paced so it's a, <laughs> what you gonna do really well shot really artsy really fun it's a director writer and a bunch of actors that almost have worked on everything together their IMDb pages could kind of be cut and paste <laughs> for what they've worked on uh, but They're that works team. yeah that works because they are they work really well together and it is a strange dark film that I'm not entirely certain what's going on but it appears to be based around a accident that a cab driver had, a lead had, and she's now being interrogated in a banquet hall because it sure as hell don't look like a cop shop in any kind. <laughs> I'm guessing the filmmakers had this room and they're like, whoop, let's make it work. It. <laughs> uh, but as she's explaining, uh, they set up these chairs to look like a cab. So she sits down and starts like, like she's turning on the cab and moving around and pantomiming like... I'm like, does she really think she's there or is she just really into <laughs> working with the cops? But it appears she thinks she's there. 
because the passenger appears in the back and it took a while to figure out because it's very confusing because once she starts speaking, you can immediately hear another person talking. So what's going on is the lady in the cab, however, this straight on film, I believe, is speaking German and Spanish. Herself speaks German, but when she's speaking for the passenger in the back, she's speaking Spanish, I believe is the order. And the guy is interpreting what's being said. So you hear the actress in the back voice melt, melded together a little bit with the interpreter. So it's very bizarre. That's insanity. And I don't know if it's easy to understand or not, because I'm reading the subtitles. <laughs> so I'm just hearing layered voices, but I don't know how understandable it would be if I wasn't reading them. So right. I have no problem. <laughs> how high would you recommend this film? If you love the art house stuff, if you've watched uh, The Witch or um, any of that kind of real slowly paced horror, you probably would enjoy it. Hmm. Uh, the visuals are amazing. I don't really know what the story is. <laughs> I mean, I could make one up, I'm sure, which is what I think. Looking through some of the reviews and write-ups of it, I'm pretty sure that's what a lot of people watching were doing because there's very little consistency in the interpretation of this film. Oh, my goodness. Uh, but, boy, it looks good, and it's really well-performed, and it's interesting to watch, and it's only 70 minutes. So, you know, if you if that any of that sounds interesting, hey, go check it out. It's easy to find. It's on Shutter. Coming next week, Sleepy Horror. Yeah, I'll watch it. <laughs> I uh, also watched a film in preparation for this that I was sure just based on the um, synopsis that it was going to be my pick. And that is called The Story of Mankind. Mm. Yeah. It's directed by Erwin Allen and it stars Vincent Price as Ooh. the devil. Uh, although it goes by Mr. Scratch in this one. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And uh, he is kind of on this uh, this celestial courthouse uh, proceeding where he and uh, a man who is be is basically portraying the spirit of humanity, where they are arguing back and forth uh, whether mankind is worth saving or not. The entire premise of this is that um, these celestial beings have all gotten together and they have said, um, mankind has discovered the hydrogen bomb 60 years before they were supposed to. Oh, no. <laughs> and do we allow them to continue on this path or do we wipe them out right oh, now? And the devil is arguing for wiping them out right now. And uh, <laughs> the spirit of mankind is showing up. Uh, it was supposed to be Adam was going to be... Uh, the uh, arguer for the, I guess he'd be the defense for humanity. Um, but he was indisposed and the devil, Vincent Price, was chuckling about, you know, how he hasn't been quite the same since I gave him that apple. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. That has the uh, Marx Brothers in it. Too, it has the it? Marx Brothers in it. It has Greta Garbo in it. It has Peter Laurie in it. Uh, and it's Whoa. just, it just goes throughout time and they keep pulling out all of these moments of horrible things humanity has done to each other within the spirit of mankind saying, oh, yes, but look here, here's a good thing that happened. And, and you know, they're, they're a race worth saving. The problem is it's pretty boring. Um, the Marx Brothers are in it. And Eric, you know what a Marx Brothers nut I am. Yes. And I had no idea, never heard of this film, didn't realize. I was just overjoyed to see them in it and then horribly disappointed that it wasn't funny. Mm. It's the one funny. scene I've seen from the film. I was looking at this one as well, and that popped up on YouTube as just that segment. Of yeah. one. And the story is the Marx Brothers buying a New York Island, I believe, right. from uh, for, you know, 20 
two dollars or twenty dollars or whatever. It's just like, oh right. man, <laughs> right? And yeah, it was just. Um, I mean, it's definitely worth searching out and watching because Vincent Price as the devil. You know, he's just never played the devil in any other thing than this. Uh, and he's a pretty great devil. He's all dressed in... Uh, he just looks perfect for it. Yeah, well, he's got the face anyway. Yeah. I feel like most of the devil representations with the goatee and oh the thin God. mustache mm-hmm. were using him as a basis anyway. But uh, And he's and he's got that wonderful way of talking, you know, <laughs> the, the lilting voice and everything. He's, he's very charming. Mm-hmm. He's all dressed up in his tux and tails and his uh, little pitchfork. <laughs> but it just never quite delivers. Oh, no, that is too bad. I also checked out another film that I thought I might use, but I couldn't remember if the devil was in it or not. Um, so I decided to like fast forward through and, and see. And that is Wes Craven's Invitation to Hell, which um, I don't know if either of you I guys have seen that. Seen that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the story of a man brings his like family to this kind of idealistic um, suburban uh, community neighborhood and um, slowly but surely they start to change and um, hell is underneath <laughs> it so I was like trying to fast forward I was like I you know they go to hell like is the devil here and I got to this one bit where kind of the antagonist shows up and she's flaunting around and suddenly she's in like a red dress with like black feathers on it but it just did <laughs> not it just didn't quite feel like they don't say oh she's the devil and she feels like not in control of the situation and it just felt like mm. i can't use this it's a fun film but i just couldn't yeah it's pretty good yeah. i came across that look reading wes craven's director list for something i don't remember what movie i was looking for i going i haven't seen this one so yeah i watched that on probably amazon prime yeah. or tubi or something i saw it it's actually the whole thing's on youtube <laughs> so, so I mean, if somebody cares about it, then they don't. I don't think no one. Those really... are made for TV movies, so its production is interesting. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, it definitely has a. It's not super well like paced. It goes wacky places for sure. Yeah. But um, but I don't know. It's pretty solid. Like I think The Simpsons stole the premise for that episode where there's like a James Bond hippie villain, and they go to this perfect town. Oh, I but that one. yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah th- that was Albert Brooks. Oh, that was Albert Brooks doing the voice for that. Oh. <laughs> I love that. Nice. Yeah. That one. That was this really one of the best. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that gives me an idea. You bring, bringing that up, you were looking through his list and everything. Yeah. It was like uh, a good subgenre pick would be uh, auteurs. Um, oh, we, we pick a director and 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 a film and say. You know, we'd have to we'd have to prove that they have a style that is worth noting that that's. But, you know, interesting. Yeah. I like it. Would we each pick our own? Yeah, that's what that would be the point is, yeah. you know, you know, Not, Hitchcock you or Tarantino or something. Right. Right. Doing it. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Cool. I like it. We should do it. <laughs> I would pick Michael Bay, of course. Oh, of course, yes. I could f- dig something up. No style there. Well, I mean, he's all style, right? Uh, <laughs> clearly, his inspiration <laughs> was pornos and Mountain Dew, but... Music video director. <laughs> yeah, so he was a music video director for a very long time, Speaking but of basically the same thing. Weird stylized things. I'm confounded by the fan thing with Zack Snyder. Mm. For years, Zack yeah. Snyder's been the 
bane of fans. They, everything that comes out, he attack, he gets attacked. They all hated Watchmen. They all hated 300. Now suddenly he's supposed to be the savior of the Justice League. It's like, what, what, what did I miss? I mean, I know you followed that story a lot closer than I did when it was developing. So I was like, curious. It has nothing to do with him. This is what you're missing. Fandom is a trash fire. True. True. And they will yeah. just get on and attack whatever they want. They're, they're contrarians. Yeah, it's true. Like, you really can't do anything right. For example, if you're like, I'm going to make a Batman film, a Terminator film, like, no matter what, there are certain areas that as soon as you release it, everyone's going to hate it, no matter what you've done to as it. As soon as you even announce it, they're going to hate it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like Robert Pattinson is the new Batman. Like, everyone's losing their mind. I'm convinced that if the Batman existed in real life mm -hmm. and he was cast in a movie about himself, <laughs> yeah. fans would go, oh, I hate this. He's not Batman. Totally. 100%. 100%. Because we all have different ideas of who our Batman is from mm -hmm. the cartoons. But yeah, with Zack Snyder, like, it's funny because I don't understand. Like, I thought um, Watchmen is an amazing yeah. film. Yeah. It's not a one-to-one -to, -one to the comic. No, but it shouldn't be. But it shouldn't be. Exactly. Yeah. And it's so, like, just beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Well, Kelly and I have always uh, largely been on Zack Snyder's bandwagon and feel like an apologist half the time for his guys. His Dawn of the Dead remake is fucking good. Yeah. 300 is great entertainment. Yeah, if you're going to sit there and drop the structure of a film on it, there ain't nothing going on. Yeah. But... It is a hell of a lot of fun to watch. Well, and as far as adaptations go, you can't get a closer adaptation no. of a comic book than 300. Yeah, that is true. Well. <laughs> Here's this scene in the comic book. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, they basically just use the comic as storyboards. Yeah. So. yeah, and that seemed to be his trademark. I think it's his last name. It's really easy to hate somebody named Snyder. <laughs> You know what? what a dick. That's I hadn't Snyder thought of guy. this, but I think you're onto something. Yeah, right there's there? a couple of um, directors also, who every time I hear their name, I'm like, oh, that guy. And then I have to think <laughs> about what they actually made and if I actually hate them or not. Uh, his first name doesn't help. I mean, no. Zach, Zach sounds like a prick. Yeah. <laughs> everything about it sounds awful. Mm. I mean, it's, it sounds good, like Zack Snyder. It's a powerful name, but it's powerful in a way that you might not. Want. Vanessa, I'd like to set you up with a friend of mine. His name's Zach. Are you interested? Maybe. His last name's Snyder. Nope. Mm. I'm out. <laughs> He's going to be a D-bag. He's going to be like an evil lawyer for like oil barons. <laughs> You're not wrong. And on the side, he's going to be like volunteering at, you know, at like a, a veterinary, but he's actually just there to put the cats down. No. Yeah, I know. Jesus. I know. It got really wow. dark. Good I, man. It's funny because in my head, it sounded so much less. Zach bad. went from kind of a geeky looking dark to evil villain very quickly. <laughs> I think that was just the worst thing I could think of that, that somebody would that do. Would <laughs> to get back to what you actually asked, here's here's what I think. Um, yeah, I do see everybody release the Snyder cut of Justice League. I don't think the answer to that film is adding another hour to it. Oh God, no. I Unless wow. you're taking out the new stuff that they shot to fix it. To quote-unquote fix I it. I guess I didn't realize it was an almost completed movie that then yeah, Joss Whedon a ton reshot. Mm -hmm. Oh, I thought he just came in and shot what was missing. That's, uh, no. Um, and that's why you get, like, any scenes that are probably in the daylight. 
um, Justice League, right? Like any scenes that are in the daylight, they redid because they felt like it was too dark of a film after Batman v Superman. They felt like the complaint might be that um, everything is just too dark. So they started bringing in like all kinds of light. Am I crazy? I don't know. I had not heard that. It it, sounds like a stupid reasoning that might come up as opposed to maybe we should just write a better movie and have good characters. No, no, the lighting is just too darn dim. Yeah, it it felt very much like that kind of stuff. Like they wanted to make it more of a comedy. So they just shot a bunch of stuff that was lighter, like scenes in general, like lighthearted. I will say this then. Uh, We probably get Henry Cavill without his digitally replaced mustache, right? Yeah. So because um, that that is that helps. That is uh, annoying. And, yeah. and distracting. <laughs> every, every scene of that <laughs> is new. <laughs> okay. Because he was well, done with his contract and he had a right. mustache for another film, right? Yeah, I and, think it was Mission Impossible or something. Yeah, and oh. Fox was like, no, we have a contract to keep his mustache. You don't get to shave it. And yeah, because it would have been, it was a dick move because it would have been very easy to shave and regrow it. But they were like, yeah. nope, sorry. You, get, we have him. You get some of his time, but it's it's our it's our turn with him. What I really want release is not the Zack Snyder cut. I want the unedited version of Superman with a stash. That's what I want. <laughs> I want all of those scenes. Yes. Oh my God. Put it back in. Release the stash. <laughs> Oh, Lord. All right, you guys. I think we bullshitted long enough. Shall we take a little break and then get on to talking about the devil? Perfect. Absolutely. All right. This week at Macy's, get an extra 25% off the season's latest styles with your coupon or Macy's card. That's on top of already great savings, like 20 to 50% off Ink, DKNY, Clubroom, and more of your favorite designers for him and her. Get 30% off one pair, 40% off two pairs of boots, shoes, and booties. And prep your kitchen with 20 to 50% off roasting pans, cookware, and more. Plus, Star Rewards members earn rewards faster during Star Money bonus days, now at Macy's. Savings off regular sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. It's the Evil Knievel Show featuring the superstar of stunts. Here's Evil Knievel's scramble band to start the show. And ripping up for action, here's our star. What a jump! Evil's riding the amazing strike cycle. That gyro power sends him over 100 feet at top speed. Look, and he's not through yet. Into the dragster. Evil's super sprint car with built-in drag shoot to slow him down. What a hope! And now, the sky cycle. That daredevil death supersonic skyplane on wheels. And here he is on the super cool chopper bike with the power that can really rip. He's sensational. He's evil. Evil. He's a knockout. He's ideal. And we are back. You guys, this was my pick uh, and I picked representations of the devil in film. Oh, that you did. I'm excited. So what <laughs> was there a reason for this? I just thought that this would be, uh, well, I could make up some kind of reason. The real reason is I have a list of things that I have thought of and I closed my eyes and pointed and it landed on representations of the devil in Love the film. It. But I have a little, uh, a little embarrassment about the film I chose. Uh Oh, okay. Which is from 1987. The witches of Eastwick. In the quiet town of Eastwick, where nothing ever changes, 
three beautiful women are about to discover powers they never dreamed they had. Who should we be looking for? He should be really handsome. Nice eyes. Now, the man of their dreams is here. Jane, last we meet. To stay for a spell. Who are you? Just your average horny little devil. With the witches of Eastwick, we could do things you haven't any idea. <laughs> you know what's going on up in that house? She says she sees the devil here in Eastwick. <laughs> If you were the devil, would you come to Eastwick? Oh, I don't know. Are you going to seduce me, too? Women. A mistake. Or did he do it to us on purpose? <laughs> Jack Nicholson. Cher. Susan Sarandon. Michelle Pfeiffer. The Witches of Eastwick. Hocus Pocus. Oh, okay. Going real low knowledge one on this one. <laughs> you guys, I had not seen this movie before I, I watched. I have not seen it either. <laughs> this is one of the best movies I've ever seen. Are you serious? I am absolutely. I loved it's... this movie so much. Wow. It had a budget of $22 million and a box office of $64 million worldwide. Perfect. Rotten Tomatoes critics have it at 76% and the audience has it at 62%. I feel like I'm just going to gush over and over about a film that probably all of our listeners have already seen. <laughs> so You're just going to convince the like 1%, like myself and you who haven't seen it, to go I, see it. Here, here was my problem. I read the original novel oh. um, and it was... Okay. Is but it a Bradbury joint? No, no, no. This was um, based on... I've got it written down here. If I can't remember it, it was... I was a little surprised while you searched that I thought it was a bigger hit than that. I mean, the $68 million is nothing to sneeze at, but I thought it was huge, like blockbuster, gigantic, right. second or third movie of the year. Kind it of was thing. not, no. Um, it was based on a novel by John Updike. Oh, okay. Oh. Got it. Okay. And it, I, I remember the... The book being the book had some pretty dark moments in it and a pretty good a pretty good devil in in Daryl Van Horn. And I remember hearing the reviews were that this was a lighthearted adaptation of that book. And I was like, yeah, well, I only thought the book was so so anyway. And so I'm not I'm just not going to bother. And man, what a, what a mistake I made. Um, this was directed by George Miller. Eric. Oh, really? What? what? Name, name oh, another movie what? George Miller has directed. Happy Feet. <laughs> oh you're, you're not wrong. It's true. That is true. There's something, it's something the about fun fact about it. Max or all of the Mad Max movies were George Miller films, <laughs> and this was his very first full feature in, on American soil. Oh wow! He did not have a good time with it. Oh, that's oh. too bad. It starred. Well, like it was written by Michael Christopher, who's uh, written a number of so-so 80s movies, but a very prolific television actor who is still working today. And uh, he's been on uh, Ray Donovan, 32 episodes of Mr. Robot. Uh, he is a working actor who's, who wrote the screenplay for this based on Updike's movie. It stars Cher, sure. Susan Sarandon, Ooh. and Michelle Pfeiffer. 
Wow. And Jack Nicholson as the devil, or Daryl Van Horn, as he calls himself. And it is a who's who of... Uh, of character actors also filling Veronica Cartwright plays an amazing part and uh, Richard Jenkins who uh, he's he's that guy you don't know his name but when you see him you're like oh shit it's that guy this movie I'm I'm not telling anybody anything they don't already know about this movie. <laughs> I was going to say, how much do you want to talk about it? Because I feel like everyone's going to know. Right. It tells the tale of three women who are single or divorced living in the small town of Eastwick. They are all friends. They're all repressed or oppressed in some manner. And uh, during one drunken night together, they all talk about their ideal man. By the way, this is not going to pass the Bechdel test, this movie. Really? Yeah, because uh, all they discuss are men in this. It's it's a relatively new thing that right. people try to achieve, so it's fine. Right, uh, <laughs> and they they uh, they're they're drinking, they're getting drunk, they're eating chips and popcorn, and they're talking about you know how nice it would be to actually have a a good man. Well, what what kind of qualities would you want in a man? And each of them lists off, you know, what they'd like in a man. Enter Daryl Van Horn during a very stormy day, and um, he ends up meeting each woman separately and being exactly what they want. Although it's it's done in a very clever way because Cher wants a man who's going to be very direct with her and not lying. Well, Jack is completely direct, basically tells her, you know, oh, I like a little pussy after lunch and all of this stuff. And she's <laughs> so she's so disgusted by this man that she thinks that she thought she wanted yeah. that, uh, you know, he then has to kind of seduce her in a different way. And that happens with all of them is yes. he acts like exactly what they wanted. And they're just like, good Lord, this is the worst human being on the planet. Cher is a sculptress. Susan is a musician and elementary school music teacher. Michelle is a writer reporter and he seduces them by, um, by really building them up in their passion. You know, he's, you know, he's telling Cher, you got to let yourself loose. All these things that you're making are fine, but that's not what you really want to make. And, you know, he kind of unleashes her. He does the same thing with uh, Susan Sarandon, who um, is one of these gals with the button up collar oh, and sure. she's playing a cello and all that. And he starts uh, playing piano next to her and telling her, you know, to really get into it. What are you waiting for? And by the end of it, she's sweating. Her hair is falling <laughs> over and her, her, literally her cello catches on fire oh and they, uh, they start <laughs> making out on top of the piano. Uh. And, it's really uh, they were all kind of drifting and he came along and, uh, you know, basically opened them up to themselves and the power they had within themselves. It's kind of a beautiful thing, except that when they reach their power, they realize they, they don't really like him and they kind of start ignoring him. And so he then immediately starts cutting them down because he knows all their insecurities, too. Uh, Keep in mind, he's the devil yeah. and he's he's not going to let this go. Veronica Cartwright plays this amazing part. She is this incredibly awful, religious, holier-than-thou, uh, super pious woman who understands that the devil has come to Eastwick. And she's trying to explain to everybody how horrible this guy is. <laughs> and nobody cares. And you don't care because even though she's right, she's such a horrible human being. <laughs> You're like, just go on. Um, it's 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 just an amazing bit of writing where you've got the one person who could actually put a stop to all of this is so unlikable that nobody that. wants to deal with her. 
Uh, Jack Nicholson is sleazy. He's charming. He's funny. He's disgusting. <laughs> and towards the end, he's scary. He, you know, when he decides, you know, oh, okay, this is what you're going to do. And he becomes the devil. He's actually a really great devil. And I will say this. I am not a Jack Nicholson fan. I say that knowing that I fucking love One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Sure. And I, I love a lot of the movies he's in. But I, I've never really thought he was the greatest actor in the world. I do think that nobody plays Jack Nicholson better than Jack Nicholson. Yeah. And he plays that character for the most part in every movie. <laughs> yeah. So um, that was... That was a real surprise to me how much I fucking loved him in this movie. Wow. I just, I mean, I just watched this <laughs> with a, I, I felt warm and fuzzy at how great this movie was. Yeah. And uh, the self-loathing that I had put it off for 30 plus years to watch it. <laughs> it. It was that good, you guys. I got some trivia and some interesting stuff in here. Um, the themes, the clear theme here is female empowerment. But it's the beginning of that kind of theme in film because, let's face it, it took a man to empower them. Yeah. And even though they, they understand and get to that power that was always within them and then they break free of him, it still took him to... To bring this out of them. So, so you know, there's there's the beginnings of let's make women strong and fuck Cher. I miss Cher in films. You know, we, we watched Moonstruck so for film school and, and that was a movie I'd never seen until film school because it had oh. Cher in it. And I was just blown away by her acting chops. Mm. Well, you stick her next to Susan Sarandon and Michelle Pfeiffer and Jack Nicholson. Everybody in this is just so good. And, uh, Part of the problem is a lot of people are tired of really strict three-act structure and the hero's journey. And this film falls into that completely. The three women act as one hero who goes through the trial and tribulations together uh, until, you know, Jack is trying to pit them against each other. But, right. you know, that, that does not last for very long. They realize how strong they are together. Um, it's a... It's a really strong look at women who are friends with each other. I don't mm. think we see a lot of that in movies. Um, and, and these three friends, they fucking love each other. They will, it turns out, kill for each other. Um, <laughs> so I thought that it was, you know, just really neat to see that kind of storytelling going on. And the script is so fucking tight. Oh, my God. <laughs> I remember in the book, there was um, there was a scene where the women, uh, Daryl ends up marrying this young, innocent girl that's not part of the the uh, coven he's put together here. And they get together and um, give this young girl cancer and she dies very quickly oh god and i was like I, you know watching oh. the movie i was like this makes sense to cut this part out <laughs> it, yeah. it's actually a good part of the book but the entire book is so much darker than this movie that something like that they they had to feel bad like veronica cartwright's character dies and they feel horrible about it and that's when they start realizing oh we've gone too far 
So it would just make, I think the difference between the book format and the film format is in a book, you have time to redeem characters. Right. Yeah. Yeah, In a film, if you did that, it would be unredeemable. You could not bring those people back up. (laughs) Right. Right. And this, the, that hero's journey structure is just so obvious in that it starts old world. They get the call to adventure, refusal to call (laughs) new world, cave and elixir, redemption back to the old world as different people. And it was just like, wow, holy shit. This is amazing. (laughs) So uh, to the trivia, Uh, according to George Miller, the producer suddenly wanted an alien to appear in the movie. Oh, God. To the point where he showed up with an actor in an alien costume and said, just fit it in somewhere. And uh, he believed it was because aliens was such a hit at the time they were shooting this. Oh, my God. Uh, He, uh, Miller and Jack Nicholson left the set until the guy took the actor in the costume away. Basically said, we're not doing a thing on this set until this is out of here. So, wow. (laughs) That poor actor. Like, I wonder who that was. You know, like, he's he's like the Jar Jar Binks of his time. Right. At one point, the the movie was running a little over budget. So Miller, who's remember, this is his first film in the U.S., he offered to give up his trailer to save money, uh, leading the studio to believe that they could take advantage of him. And so they Mm -hmm. kept saying anytime he wanted anything, they would say, you know, well, I I need 100 extras for this scene. Here's 12 and stuff like that until he finally stood up to them. And when he stood up to them, they fired him. Oh. And tried to replace him. And Jack Nicholson stood up and said, I'm not making this movie without George Miller. Wow. So I kind of love that. So they yeah. had to rehire him back. Oh. Um, originally cast for the role of Daryl Van Horn. Not, not considered. Originally cast. Bill Murray. Oh, I, I can see that to a certain yeah. extent. Okay. Yeah. A lot of times you hear that and you go. Why the hell right. would you do that? But that I could see that. What uh, year was this again? This was 87, so oh. shot in 86. I had it a lot later in my head for some reason. Right. Well, that was the other thing. 87, I was hardcore into horror films by yeah. then. So I'm watching, you know, real horror and something that sounded light heart with Cher in it was not my thing. I always imagined that this was like a kid's movie. It is not a kid's wow. movie. <laughs> yeah, every Halloween it comes up as like all my, a lot of females in my circle are like, let's watch, you know, Witches of Eastwick. And I'm like, I don't know about that, guys. Like, you, I don't think I really want to watch like a dumb You got to like, watch this. Movie. You got to watch this. <laughs> um, Jack Nicholson and Veronica Cartwright briefly rekindled an old affair during this movie, which is problematic because the reason Jack got the role was he was dating Angelica Houston at the time Uh. and she tried out for and did not get the role that Cher ended up with. Oh. So uh, there you go. Oh my gosh. Wow. He's uh, he actually uh, refers to himself as uh, just a horny little devil in it (laughs) and uh, you you realize oh Daryl Van Horn get it. Well, speaking of being completely on the nose, my pick (laughs) for this week is simply called Devil.
for your help. Don't mention it. Six in inspection mode. Oh, come on, man. Oh. What's happening? Nothing, just relax. What was that? You all right? You're bleeding. Oh, my God. It, it feels like something bit me. Does anybody have anything sharp on them? They might have cut her? No. You mind if we search your pockets? Yes, I do mind. You mind if we search yours? What was that? out there called Devil. This is yes. the one with the elevator. So the, is this Shyamalan? I think he produced it. Produced yes. It. Oh, so okay. actually, yeah, Shyamalan actually was a co-writer oh. on it. Okay. This is a very weird time for Shyamalan um, in <laughs> yeah. general. Uh, I think this is the start of it's not an M. Night film. I swear, I swear, I swear. Um, <laughs> yeah. This is Post, Lady in the Water, which was in 06, The Happening, which was in 08, Airbender, which is in 2010, but right before After Earth in 2013. So uh, we're in 2010, solidly, and uh, his name is starting <laughs> to look real bad. Right. I seem to remember on the posters, it got like smaller and smaller mm -hmm. yes. until like you get the visit and it's just not even there. <laughs> it's just like a surprise at the end of the movie. Um, <laughs> what a twist. <laughs> <laughs> it really was the ultimate twist. I was like, oh, okay. I didn't realize. All right, cool. He did okay. Great. So this film, um, it doesn't have a great rating. Rotten Tomatoes, 51% critics, 43% audience. It makes sense because it's a movie about five people in an elevator. And one of them may not be who they seem. Mm. It, it's very... Well, who might they be? But <laughs> I will say the budget was $10 million and they, the box office was three point, uh, or sorry, $33.5 million. So it Whoa. tripled its money. So I think, you know, did okay. Um, it is a PG-13. So although it has the devil, it's not that devil. You know? <laughs> it's like a certain amount of devil. We had to cut back a little bit. I gotta say, this is a lackluster title for a movie. It is horrible. Why, why devil? The poster is good, though. Yeah, I remember that. The upside down cross with light coming out of the elevator. Right. Yeah. That's not bad at all. But yeah, devil, like, I don't, man. I mean, but I don't know. Elevator probably wouldn't have been. <laughs> no, but. Devil Vader. <laughs> wait, wait. Hell Evader. 
Yes. You guys can have that, that one. Might, that might already be a movie. Oh, that's shit. Familiar. All right. Yeah. Elevator to Hell. Oh, yeah, exactly. Straight to Hell or, or it's something probably like that. A, a metal band from Florida. <laughs> Elevator. <laughs> Which would be fine. I mean, <laughs> I mean, like, it's at least more distinct, if nothing else. This is directed by John Eric Dowdy. The problems with the film in general, I feel like, made a lot of sense to me when I found out the director. This is the guy who did As Above, So Below and um, oh. The Quarantine. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. So it, his kind of problem with structure and things feeling a little loose and a little like wonky at times is 100 percent true in this film as well. Um, writer, as I said, is M. Night, but um, screenplay. Brian Nelson, um, who did Hard Candy, 30 Days of Night, and then in 2014 basically became an executive producer and did um, Altered Carbon and Night Flyers. So he's had like kind of an interesting career, this guy. Um, so you kind of have like a wacky set of hands on this film. Um, <laughs> oh my God, I have to give you some taglines. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to. Okay. The, the I came across like five taglines on IMDb. The first one, the night chronicles begin, which. What? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this was supposed to be one in three movies called the night, night chronicles, chronicles, which I'll get into more. After I can't I wait to hear this about this. But yeah, <laughs> it's fascinating. Um, the other one. On an ordinary, this is a tagline, on an ordinary day, our lives are filled with chance encounters and random events. But today, everything happens for a reason. This fall, one of these five people are not who they appear to be. Oof. Yeah. How big is this poster? That I sounds, know, right? That sounds <laughs> more like an elevator pitch. Oh. I think you're right. I think that, I mean, I don't, and the actual tagline that I think was effective, but was at the bottom of the list. So I'm worried they didn't use it. Bad things happen for a reason. So <laughs> I like that one. I think that that one works with the film. Um, the, the cast is like definitely an ensemble. So I'm not going to get too far into it because there's five people in an elevator and one person outside of an elevator and then some security people. And they all kind of have the same amount of screen time. But <laughs> I will say there was a real joy. And I did not know this until I saw him show up. Not Tom Hardy is in this film. Oh, yes. Nice. Uh, Logan, Logan Marshall, Marshall Green. Green. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Yeah. So uh, I saw him turn up and I was so excited because for anybody who does not know him, first of all, he looks like Tom Hardy and he's not. Second of all, <laughs> the invitation or upgrade. Yeah. And if you have not seen either of those films, you need to stop what you're doing and go and watch them. Absolutely. There's a there's a virus out there. You have nothing better to do. You know it. Put down your gardening. <laughs> You're not doing it very well anyway. Oh You're new to this. It's that's, fine. Take that's a, break. a better tagline. There's a virus out there and you've got nothing better to do anyway. <laughs> Go watch Devil. <laughs> um, the characters that you have in this um, are pretty interesting and it's interesting because in the credits, these the five main actors who are stuck in the elevator don't get their character's name put in there. They only get their like occupations put in, even though they all have real names like as characters. Really? So I'm going to refer to them in that way. The story starts out with um, there's a, a suicide. OK, there's somebody jumps out of a building and lands on the Bethlehem bread truck. Oh, a detective who's a recovering alcoholic. Get it, get it, Bethlehem. I, I, I know. Okay, I just. Okay. I, I, it doesn't end there. 
Oh. <laughs> There's more. There's more specifically Bethlehem. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> I'm starting to think you didn't like this movie. You know what? We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, a recovering alcoholic. Placid elevator. <laughs> a recovering alcoholic detective dude um, goes to investigate what's what's up with this thing. Um, and uh, at the same time, a salesman, a guard, a rich bitchy woman, an old woman, an old woman a, and a war vet enter an elevator. I feel like this is the beginning no of the kidding. worst joke ever. And it immediately gets stuck. We don't really know much about these people. Um Apparently, trivia, they're all wearing a piece of red something. I don't know. I think it's the stupidest crap as like a setup for something. It doesn't mean anything. So don't worry about it. Um, so <laughs> the elevator gets stuck and they're they immediately kind of don't like each other. They're clearly from five different cuts of cloth. They're all going to different floors to do di very different things. Like one woman is kind of doing a divorce proceeding and other guys trying to get new people to sign up to his company anyway so <laughs> while we go back and forth between the detective who um segues from the suicide into this building and then discovers that the people in this building it's not a big deal it's stuck it's nothing really crime related but then every time a light flickers they have a, a video feed into this so you've got the security footage looking directly at what these people are doing every time a light flickers and comes back, something horrible's happened. So a girl has, um, the rich bitch has got her whole back is scratched to hell and looks like there's bite marks all over it. So it becomes this like, oh God, somebody in this elevator is hurting the other people. And so the detective kind of segues into uh, dealing more with what's going on here and becomes a little obsessed. Um, so we've got that. We then also have a VO happening constantly <laughs> about like some devil folks tale from God knows what country that doesn't necessarily <laughs> exist. Uh, maybe it does, but it, it's really nonsensical and about how it always starts with a suicide. And it's like, what always starts with a suicide? What are you talking about? And then people get trapped and then they have to deal with the devil and then blah, blah, blah. it's like so <laughs> dumb. And the VO is coming from one of the security guys who's actually watching the so you're like in his head from later, I guess, or I don't know. And then, and then he's watching the feed and slowly becoming more and more assured that the devil is in there or has something to do with this. So he's like, oh, my God, the devil's there almost immediately. And everyone else is like, what is wrong with you? He says that every time something happens. <laughs> every time this damn elevator gets stuck, he's going on something about, you know, Antichrist is showing up or whatever. My favorite part, though, there's another side story where the elevator repairman, there's like one guy who has to maintain these elevators in this building his plot is definitely the best like he's like okay i'm going from the roof can't access it this way mm. and I'm like <laughs> has to go to another part mm. can't deal with it here and they're constantly on the mic like hey dude have you gotten them out yet like these people need to get out of this elevator it's very urgent they've been there now 45 minutes and he's like i'm trying and you're like it's actually kind of believable because he is doing everything in his power to try and make this elevator situation work and then the fire department get in there and start trying to like cut in there they're all working on that and of course like people are getting more and more beat up and or dead in this elevator until we get to a conclusion of some kind 
where one of them is the devil. And Vanessa, the devil does turn up. You look exhausted. <laughs> you look defeated by this movie. movie. <laughs> this movie was a lot. It was a lot. Um, but first of all, there's some amazing acting happening from uh, Logan Marshall Green. Uh, he His character, they all have twists. Each character has a twist. But his character's twist is really pretty neat. So you do discover as the film goes on, each character has actually got something really horrible that they've done in their lives or are doing in their lives. So the rich bitch is actually uh, sleeping with rich men and then um, blackmailing them into giving her cash. And then she finally married a guy and she's off to like go like get an attorney need to screw him over and take his money um the old woman who's in the elevator is a kleptomaniac so she's been stealing stuff um the security guard who there's a security guard inside the elevator and you think that he works for the building and he seems really cool but then like He's a dick and he actually has only been working there one day as a temp and he has a record for assault. And it's just like, huh, okay, I feel like there's like these characters and then like there's this other thing you're putting on them. There's another problem there, I think, as a writer. Yeah. If you're going to make people so dark and nasty that they have to be destroyed, trapped in an elevator by the devil. Yeah. Give them some really, really nasty shit as their background. I mean, these are like cliche level Oh, completely. Oh, the rich, the ladies taking advantage of rich men. I've never heard that story before. I know. I think it's it's very, like, on the nose. It's very, like, folktale, like, or not folktale, I should say. Even, like, much more biblical. Like, there's the, 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 the person who's conning people. And, you know, like, it's just a very, like, basic ten, Generic, you know, yeah, ten yeah. sins kind of situation. Um the the end of the film, I'm definitely not going to give away. I will say, again, the devil does turn up. And the last person who's alive in the elevator, they have to make kind of a bargain with the devil, which is kind of neat. And it has a twist that ends up tying the, the cop in further to the story. Uh, the cop, <laughs> by the way, just ran a piece of little info for you. So he's an alcoholic because he's uh, dealt with some past issues in his life. Like his wife and child died in a car accident to a drunk driver. Don't worry, that will never come back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they died on um, Bethlehem Pike. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. <laughs> um, the building that they're in is on Locust Street. <laughs> the building number, I don't get this, is 333. And they were like, you get it, 666. I'm like, I don't get it. If it was six, just call it 666. We shouldn't have to make that leap from 333. But that could be like the reason why everything's messed up, you know, because they like. They half asked it. They even half asked the address. Couldn't have gone 667, neighbor of the beast. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, so, a uh, little bit of trivia about this film. It's inspired from a folktale, The Devil's Meeting. This is the first movie in the Night Chronicles trilogy. Basically, those are three films that are going to be made by M. Night Shyamalan, which involved supernatural within modern urban society. The second film was already titled. It was 12 Strangers, a.k.a. I think it got renamed uh, Reincarnate. Uh obviously never came out. The third movie was going to be secretly the sequel for Unbreakable. Oh. Yeah. Okay. However. Sort of got made. Yep. So, (laughs) well, kind of. So Unbreakable sequel will later actually became the basis for Split, but it was not the same. Like they had to kind of split it off. (laughs) 
So, yeah. So there, there's kind of the whole thing that this did not succeed at doing. Um, it was not filmed in advance for critics, which is always a bad sign for a film. Um, they have an annoying elevator song in it that keeps going off. And it's Don't Sit Under the Apple Tree. And I will say Jeez. it is pretty annoying. But one of the things I really liked about this movie, definitely the ele elevator technician, um, he trained for four months to prepare for something like his little uh, death moment in the film. And it took four days to film it. Oh, shit. Yeah, because he's basically like suspended in the air above the elevator, like working on the kind of wires. And then he's trying to answer a radio and some birds fly because, you know, the devil likes birds. And then he like... <laughs> falls over it's it's actually really cool looking so way to go joe cobden who's never really done much i don't not really anything proper maybe after else. that he's like i did all that for this, <laughs> for this? <laughs> yeah i i did kind of wonder wonder about it i liked there's a really cool opening shot where it's upside down like um uh it's philadelphia upside down so it looks a lot like as above uh so below but it it works it seems neat um logan logan marshall green is awesome there's a couple of times where there's like weird flashes of imagery that people are either seeing or are on the camera and often it's like everybody in the elevator dead and how they will end up looking so that's that's kind of cool. Like, I really liked that they were showing you a gory pile of human beings. Like, that was kind of <laughs> neat. There's some good character development in there. And it surprisingly does not feel too claustrophobic, uh, considering Weird. it's an elevator film. So of the five people in the elevator, one of them is the devil. Is that one right? One of them is the devil. Are you um, satisfied with the answer? Appearance of the devil? Well, not necessarily appearance, but I mean, did it make sense then when it was revealed who it was? Yes. Um, yes and no. Uh, I mean, the, the interesting thing is you're not learning anything about these people uh, by them talking to each other, really, like little bits, but barely anything. What you're learning about them is because they keep start getting injured and killed, the detective is trying to figure out who these people are and is pulling up files and finding footage of them and doing their backstory and going and finding who they were supposed to talk to in the building. So that's how you get all these backstory pieces of information. So this character totally did not have a backstory that would have collided mm. with them being the devil. So I, I liked it. I thought it worked pretty well. I thought it was a neat little twist at the, uh, I guess, twist at the end. I mean, everybody <laughs> knew where it was going. But like, I liked the the personification of of it. Things I don't like, though, I, I don't know. The the It is a bit cheesy throughout. It's it's consistently fairly cheesy um the the vo is dumb as hell the setup <laughs> of the suicide just makes no sense at all and like i said the people in the elevator just change personalities kind of drastically to fit in with this like they're, but they're all bad people here's the thing it it actually was kind of fun to watch i would say this is what i wrote it's a bad 90s dumb fun but dumb movie <laughs> it's dumb it's real dumb you have to accept that it's going to be dumb and then once you know that it's like okay if i look past all this dumb it's actually got some really fun things in there it's kind of like die hard meets clue the board game meets church <laughs> so that's kind of wow. where it landed on it so that was my devil pick right on i think well, mine's not quite as uh, intense as 
Kelly's love of the film, but I have to say, I found a good fucking movie here. Um, and I want to thank uh, Tony Kay because there's a Giallo film I was looking at that's about satanic people. So I reached out to Tony and said, hey, do you know if Satan actually appears in this movie? And Tony's like, no. Because, <laughs> of course, Tony knew that. But then I mentioned what, uh, what movie I was planning on watching next. He's like, huh, I haven't heard of that. <gasps> wow. I found one Tony Kay has not even heard That's of. That's insane. That is insane. <laughs> wow. I didn't think that was possible. Okay, so this film, 1995, it's a Spanish film called The Day of the Beast. poster alone, I'd actually had this sitting in my two watch for Canopy for a long time, oh. not even realizing that I did not connect it till I went to watch this. Mm. Going, oh, shit. And like I said, it's on Canopy. This isn't available. I almost had to join a streaming service for Spanish films <laughs> to watch this. Then I realized that Canopy has it because it is not, this is not easy to find. Um, but, boy, it's worth the effort. The Rotten Tomatoes rating is 75 from critics, 85 from audience, which sounds about right. It's got some uh, Act 2 problems that I could see where a director might or a critic might knock it down some. Okay, it's been a while since I've had a foreign language film. Oh, all right. Hold on. All right. I'm excited. Now, the director, Alex de, de la Iglesia. Okay. So that was not too hard. However, the writer's name looks like it has about 20 letters in it. Jorg, first name. <clears throat> yeah, let's see. Guria Se Chaveria. Hey. Yeah, that might be right. Not at all right. <clears throat> Sounds totally not possible. <laughs> possible at the same time. <laughs> Boy, this is another group, kind of like the one I uh, talked about earlier with is a team. They seem to be on a lot of stuff. The writer and the director worked on a lot of things together. A few of the actors have worked together a lot of times. They've both, the, they're both probably best known for, in the U.S., for Witching and Bitching and The Last Circus. Okay. I've seen Witching and Bitching. Good movie with a bad title. Yeah. And The Last Circus is pretty good. It's pretty grim, but it's good. Uh, the, but the writer, in addition, has written a Live Flesh, which is another one I've heard of but haven't seen. Fits. And Alex, the director, also worked on the screenplay. There's a, another Alex, <laughs> the lead actor, Alex, no, Angelo, with 107 credits, almost all Spanish films, but he was in Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. And then uh, Armanda de Rosa, 
uh, lots of TV from Spain, tons and tons, but not a lot of recognizable thing. And Santiago Segura, who has been in a lot of stuff. He has 120-some-odd credits. Uh, Bay, Pacific Rim, Bitching, Witching and Bitching, Beyond Reanimator. And he also is a director who I'll be talking about a little bit later after I talk about the film. Okay, the storyline is it starts off with one priest kind of confessing to an older priest that he has figured out that this ancient writing is predicting the end of the world and the end of the world is Christmas Eve that's coming up like in a day or two. And to set you up for this film, this opening scene sets up the entire tone of the whole film beautifully, where these two guys are talking back and forth, and he eventually whispers something you can't hear, so you don't fully know what's going on. And they both kind of come to the conclusion, all right, let's go do this together, and we'll end the end of the world. And they both stand up, and this giant cross at the back of the church falls over and kills the older priest. Wow. <laughs> like, That's cool. Oh, this is going to be different. And it is a dark dark comedy more than anything else it is just dark as hell so the priest's idea is he wants he needs to find the devil so in order to find the devil obviously he can't do it as a priest you know he's too good he's got no devil's going to talk to him so he has to go out and sin as much as possible oh my god and Uh. so he it starts off fairly simple his sinning actually doesn't quite get as dark as maybe it should have like he goes and he steals from a homeless guy just takes all his money walks away and the best part is also in the trailer the best little bit he does for sinning there's a a mime standing above right over a um entrance to a subway (laughs) so he stops and he watches the mime for a little bit reaches over and pushes him over oh my god (laughs) So the guy just choo. <laughs> that kind of gives you an idea of what the tone of this whole film is, and it is fairly well done. This it's smart, it's intelligent. The acting is at times over the top, but it's intentionally over the top. He's trying to find a way to how to summon the devil. How do I summon the devil? I don't know how to summon the devil. Oh, look, a heavy metal. Record shop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So he goes in and he has a little list uh, of, I found out later, one of them was how you write ACDC in Spanish. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh, that, that looks like I should know what it is. And it was ACDC and Iron Maiden and another band. It might have been Cthulhu, which has a song with the, the band with a K, has a song in the in the movie. And so it's talking to the guy there and this the guy running the thing ends up kind of being his buddy for the film but when he's first introduced he's playing the music of satanica (laughs) Uh, just this old cassette he puts on all these bands great and he's in the background just flipping his hair around doing ridiculous looking air guitar just absolutely exaggerated which ends up fitting that character so well because he's exaggerated through the entire movie he's just ridiculous but he wants the albums, of course, played backwards. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, Does he ask the guy in the store to play them? Yeah. Backwards? Jesus. <laughs> can you play that backwards? Well, not really good for my turntable, but I guess I can. <laughs> okay. Do they pull out a D&D board after this and play they a few rounds? Disappointingly, never got to that. Oh. However, they do get to this one, the third main character of the movie, who is a, a psychic predictor of the future kind of guy looks like he's straight out of oh man i forgot the guy's name some with a k or something from the 70s who was on johnny carson and stuff all the time corsic or corsac or something but he's and he's also exaggerated he's ridiculous but that's the guy the priest decides oh he's got this book that will show me how to summon so <laughs> priest goes to the bookstore 
it's a weird little compact thing that's got the book and this little symbol that you can wear. And he tears it up and chucks the stuff on the ground and gets arrested for shoplifting. <laughs> it's not a subtle film and sometimes setting things up like he's talking to the guy after he's been arrested for the shoplifting. And there's an iron, like a, an iron for pressing clothing sitting on this guy's desk. I'm like, I wonder how that's going to come into use. Uh... <laughs> so he ends up staying at a hostel that the record store owner's mother runs and the mother is a cliched version of this like like an ovenbury italian woman and the daughter who runs the place is kind of a also silly kind of over the top but also really so 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 nice kind of over the top character so everybody's bigger than life but everybody's consistently bigger it's not that you're watching this going well this character is ridiculous they're all a little ridiculous sure so they then they go and he breaks into the guy's house, who's the the medium, and forces him to show him how to bring the devil about. Guess what? They figure out sort of how to bring the devil about. He appears as a little cockroach and then as a huge a goat with huge black things, <laughs> uh, black horns. So then the psychic guy is on board. He's going to help him get this done because the end goal is they need to find out where the Antichrist is going to be born that night so they can kill the baby so the Antichrist doesn't come into being. Wow. And uh, that's where it drags a little bit. After they kidnap him and they've got him tied up, they've got the psychic guy tied up and they're trying to get him to do that. Well, we need to have this. Oh, you need the blood of a virgin. So, of course, there's the ha-ha scene of finding a virgin. Um, But so that part dragged just a little bit. I'm kind of going, am I changing my mind about this movie? Because it starts off so strong. And then by the time it comes around and wraps up again, oh, yep, okay, we're good. (laughs) So they figure out a way, I won't go too much into it, but they figure out a way of how to find the devil, and the devil shows up near the end of the movie. It is a devil. uh, He's like eight feet tall. He's got the hooves. He's got the horns. Um, So he is the cliche devil look completely. This is a scene, the segment of the movie that desperately needs remastering. The green screen is rough. Mm-hmm. A lot of the color bleeds out of it in this scene. It's just very strange looking. But so that it needs a little bit of help. So impressions of the film. It's fun. It's weird. It's worth watching. It takes place at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and I learned something weird. In Spain, it's not Santa, it's the three wise men. Oh, sure. Yeah. Which has real one really like oops scene where there's three white guys playing the three wise men. Oh. Well, one of them's not exactly white. It's like, oh, oh, you need to you need to lose the blackface in your movie, buddy. Oh, <laughs> oh no. <gasps> but luckily that is a short segment. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> when was this shot? It's uh, 95. Oh, I, I didn't realize okay. it was that long. Yeah, yeah I was thinking it was more recent. Still. Yeah, still. It doesn't matter. That's all great. Apparently, it was a huge hit in Spain. Oh. Like, it did incredibly well. I could find no box office. I'm not sure what it did or any budget. But one of the descriptions I read that I hadn't thought of that's incredibly accurate, it has, this would make an amazing dark novel. The way it's shot, the way its colors palette is, the way it's put together, it would make an amazing looking comic book. Mm. Ooh. Um, so that, that would be neat if somebody decided to do that. You know, feel free. I don't know. The right <laughs> all scene. of our comic book maker fans right. who are listening in, we got something for you. <laughs> but uh, 
it's another one that digs it like last week's digs in a little bit of the meaning of religion, but I don't think they're trying too hard to be philosophical. Uh, just a not quite a romp, but close to a romp of let's we just got to stop the end of the world. Interesting. It feels like um, kind of I guess all of our films have this weird cursory look at religion. Sure. Yeah. Devils in them. So. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, we've got a priest as the main character in this. But but in the the end, it also looks fairly dark and very gritty and real. The one of the main clues to lead him to uh, where the Antichrist is going to be born is a group of guys who are going around the city, bludgeoning and setting homeless people on fire. So it's got some dark moments. (laughs) Like Jesus, like sits there. The guy said, "There, give me a sign of what I need to do next." And those guys pull up in their van, beat the crap out of this poor guy, set him on fire. He then walks across the street, lands down in front of him, and the priest's kind of like, hmm, <laughs> So he opens up the guy's coat, and that Satanica band T-shirt is there again. So uh-huh. he goes to see their concert. I'm like, oh, well, all right. It has darkness in it. Mm-hmm. And it is. A, it's, it's not a romp comedy. It's a dark comedy with disturbing angles. The styles and sensibilities of it actually led to something called a small movement in Spain called freak cinema, hmm. where the the storylines are exaggerated. People, everything's bigger, everything's larger than life. The colors are always vibrant. One of them is a series of films called uh, Torrenta. There are five of them, which I've seen the first one. I looked up go, oh shit, I've seen that. That is weird. And that series is directed by Santiago Segura, the guy who plays the metal guy in this. Hmm. Oh. So he was inspired by the filmmaker for this film to go out and make this. And he is referenced as a director. He's referenced by a lot of famous Spanish filmmakers. Um, but he is not particularly well known outside of Spain. Um, but he, he deserves to be. I mean, the guy is worth watching. The film is definitely worth checking out. And he he stretched to the I forgot to mention the budget was 2.1 million euros. He stretched the shit out of that budget. That, yeah, that does not sound like very much at all. It shows in some of the stuff, but it's like that green screen stuff at the end. Like, oh. But man, it looks big. Wow. The film looks big. The church where the, the priest dies, the cross is huge. So it's he spent money really well. So I definitely say that uh, the Day of the Beast is worth checking out on Canopy. Huh. So my devil was um, kind of the charming um, seducer. Mm-hmm. Yours seemed like the Punisher. Yeah, mine mm-hmm. was definitely the the taunter and the Punisher. And then who, yeah. And then how how was yours represented then? Uh, he's visually, just, just he's a devil trying to bring the Antichrist into the world to destroy the world. Okay. To start the apocalypse. There's a long explanation through, well, if you piece it together, it'd be long, where he, or the priest is explaining how mathematically he came to this conclusion on how this is the date. Right. And stuff. So I was like, oh, okay. I like it because, like, the the kind of effect that the devil is having in each of ours. Yours is, like, worldwide global. Uh, Mine is tormenting people who are already destined to go to hell. And then yours is kind of like trying to turn people in the first place. So. Right, right. If I were to say that somebody was going to win with this one, it would be me. You are going <laughs> to say that every week. I think I won. I, I won the podcast. Pretty much how it works. <laughs> my film is not worth arguing in that respect. But 
<laughs> I, that just means they're going to have to find... Oh, well, you know, I mean, the, the Witches of Eastwick is a well-known right. classic film. I can't wait for you to watch it, Vanessa. I'm excited. Yeah, I, I really like am it. stoked about checking it out. Yeah, it, it was... Um, it was such a eye-opening experience for me. I just uh, the the three actors, Cher, Susan Sarandon, and Michelle Pfeiffer, really um, nailed that whole sense of wonder as they started kind of realizing, oh shit, I have power. Yeah. And I, I was just like, point. This movie is. Uh, look, I'm gushing about this movie that everybody else is going, yes, Kelly, we've known this for 33 years. Uh. No, but no, I'm glad you are because like people like me, I'm pretty sure I just lumped it together with you know, Hocus Pocus and all the other, like, (laughs) you know, entourage (laughs) style. I know, exactly. And it's silly, but, you know. Yeah, I would say if, like me, you don't like seeing people vomit on screen. Oh, I don't mind. There's there's a couple of scenes (laughs) that are pretty rough. (laughs) Yeah, that that stuck with me for a while with the cherries. Well, the sounds that happen while it's, it's happening are... I don't know. I loved it. I loved it so much. Um, okay, so wait, whose whose turn is it? Well, okay, that's right. Mm. So, despite my current weirdness, I'm having with Scream Factory and Shout Factory with a box set I ordered. <laughs> uh, I have a weird one. Oh. Uh, actually, I was underestimating when I first looked it up. I thought they had about 300 titles. They've released around 400 titles, Shout, Shout and Scream Factory. Uh-huh. So the idea, and I'm putting no limits on this. If you want to talk about something as popular as Witches of Eastwick again, you go down the list go, oh, shit. They have gremlins or something. I don't know. And that's what you want to talk about? Go go nuts. But I want the your favorite or one of your top releases that have come from Scream Factory or Shout Factory. It can be either or. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to pick a popular one for that. I'm going to dig through and find something weird. Yeah, they've got some good. They've got some good for that. And they have some surprisingly big titles, too. I was a little surprised at throughout the years of what they've released. Cool. Cool. Okay. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Scream Factory, so I'm I'm stoked about it. Maybe you'll finally be able to talk about The Fog. (laughs) (laughs) I've waited so long. (laughs) Talk about it. Again, <laughs> it's hard because they put out almost all of John Carpenter's films. I think so. Yeah, yeah they don't true. have Ghosts of Mars and they don't have um, uh, The Ward. Oh, oh gee darn! But I think mm. they have all the rest. <laughs> well, all right, guys, that's our show then. Uh, thanks so much to you two for coming all the way up here and doing this in person again. And thanks to all the listeners for um, all the kind words, all the rating, reviewing. We really love all that. We really appreciate it. Yes. Uh, Cannot say it often enough. Thank you, thank you. Hopefully, yeah. all the sound is good and better for you on this one with yeah. our brand new board we're using. So That's right. We'll see how it goes. We went from <laughs> Zoom meetings to a Zoom board, huh? Whoa. Okay, that's true. Is it the same company? No. Okay. No. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> this might explain some things. Mm. All right, guys. So that's the end of the episode, and we will see you next week. Goodbye. Ah. (laughs) You hurt yourself. Bye. Our show is recorded somewhere high above Naval Station Everett at the nexus of all realities and is engineered and produced by Eric Margaret. Our theme music is Strange Eons Part 1 by the band Nightshade and is used with permission. Find Strange Eons Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and wherever fine podcasts are found.
This week at Macy's, get an extra 25% off the season's latest styles with your coupon or Macy's card. That's on top of already great savings, like 20 to 50% off Ink, DKNY, Clubroom, and more of your favorite designers for him and her. Get 30% off one pair, 40% off two pairs of boots, shoes, and booties. And prep your kitchen with 20 to 50% off roasting pans, cookware, and more. Plus, Star Rewards members earn rewards faster during Star Money bonus days now at Macy's. Savings off regular sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply.